This episode once more is going to be one which uh, is about a trip, like uh, my experiences on the road, which does not really connect to my research a lot. So it was more a fun trip, which I'm going to portray a little bit in this episode. Once more, we went on a trip and this time going to the Himalayas, where I've never been so far. I never wanted to go because I always thought, oh no, it's too cold, but somehow... I got convinced this time and again we decided to do that trip on a bike. So we left Delhi and as usual one of the things I enjoy the most is like observing all the things happening on the road or by the roadside because there's so much to see especially when you drive like for hours and hours and hours. For example the whole the cement workers there's so many people like fixing the streets and uh, I look at them and I think, what kind of lives do you lead? Their lives seem so harsh from outside and it seems very manual, the way that roads are getting like fixed here. Every now and then there come whole sheep flocks and uh, block the roads and uh, one has to drive around them and honk at them and everything. Or for example, all of these little stalls by the roadside selling Stuff like sugarcane juice, where we were like stopping and <laughs> running across the highway to go and pee somewhere and then coming back. And it's very interesting how very slowly like the concrete jungle of Delhi like turns into like, yeah, like the landscape changes. You have fields, you have forests, you have like jungle-like forests like on either side of the roads. Like slowly, slowly the landscape changes and you're out of Delhi's concrete jungle. I observed many trucks which like are like loaded to the brim and then there are people on top sitting like many rickshaws so full with people and stuff and I look at them and I feel wow this must be so uncomfortable especially if this is a long journey but then every time I kind of see them in a very vivid conversation and I'm again like amazed in the way that people here bear stuff or how they know at least some of them or it seems to me how they know how to make the best of every situation another interesting side are always the pilgrims which are walking by the roadside sometimes in like orange clothes like some holy men or some babas sometimes carrying some kind of flags or whatever and just walking by the roadside in all of the in this sea of cars and trucks and rickshaws uh, i see like people on bicycles which like drive in their very own speed and every now and then i see older men like on horse carriages and especially there was one who was like <laughs> he had to cross the road and he did it in such an elegant way and he was wearing this dark purple suit and he was like sitting on the carriage on the side and like navigating his horse and it looked so elegant and so out of like not part of this time and uh, then we slowly crossed the state borders and we got into Punjab where uh, on many many cars I saw again the no farmers no food stickers and were the flags of the farmer union like uh, connected to the farmers protest and more and more people were wearing like turbans 
Another thing which I love to observe is uh, what I call the language of the road. A lot of people who own trucks, and for some reason I'm very fascinated by trucks. I don't exactly know why, but that's the case. Write like long things on their trucks or on their cars. On the cars, usually people write their cast or there is some image of some god or whatever. But on the trucks, people seem to write, of course, they always write like stuff like, okay, like blow your horn, uh, use your dipper at night and these kind of things. But sometimes they write like more personal stuff, like uh, one day you will miss me or... Uh, workship is worship work like a coolie live like a king and i like i had a lot of fun observing these kind of things and also how people decorate their at least some of them decorate their trucks with uh, colorful things colorful things that then like flatter and like move in the wind and yeah like with a lot of love to the detail Then after long, long, long hours of driving, a whole day of long driving, we finally reached Shimla, which is kind of, was kind of a place where the British could escape if the heat in Delhi was too much. So the mountains would be a bit cooler. And the whole town has a very colonial charm. Like uh, there are all of these little benches on the roadside. The houses look very British and very colonial. There are these little lanterns like with lights um on all the roads and it's very i don't know i got like harry potter kind of feelings all the time <laughs> there is also a beautiful church and so we explored these town a little bit and uh, one thing i especially liked was when we entered india coffee house there's a it's a brand and there's a lot of india coffee houses like all over india and they have like a, a very long tradition and for some reason this one was very special it was like one huge room with a relatively dark dark wood even the fans and like the whole ceiling and everything looked really old and it seemed like the time has stood still because like even the fans were of wood everything was so old the kind of posters they had framed but also like old advertisements for coffee and so on and even the people, like the waiters, they were wearing like very traditional kind of attire, which looked like from a definitely from a different time. And it was very, I don't know, really like as if when you enter, you're in another time. And then you could very well imagine like these Britishers sitting, sitting here, mingling with the upper class, uh, rich Indians and like a very exclusive place and especially when then we were sitting there like on an, like in a corner and like observing everything and people were having conversations or having coffee while these waiters were like finding their way in between in the in their very special attire and then one guy came in and he was selling newspapers and it, it just had this very old colonial feel to it which kind of yeah, it was, was very beautiful somehow. It reminded me of old Indian movies or, I don't know, very, very special. Already the next day, of course, we were on the road again and more and more like uh, we saw different valleys we saw a lot of apple orchards we saw the first yucks we saw people selling blankets and carpets on the roadside and 
these are a lot of things and again the drive the drive itself was so enjoyable and when we, while we were driving on the back of the bike I was writing something which I would like uh, to read out to you which was kind of my impression of yes of this day of driving open roads ahead twisting and turning under clear blue skies our shadow runs ahead of us like a ghost gliding over the stone walls we pass people cows villages and valleys each turn a glimpse into another life we take in our environment like the fresh air that becomes colder the higher we get we drink the landscape like the many sugary chais by the roadside and at night we ride under the stars we feel small looking up to the gigantic mountains surrounding us in the dark we can't see them but we feel their majestic presence the stars are wisely watching over us and when we stop in the dark it feels as if we are the only people on this planet everything a mystery what lies ahead an adventure Slowly we started to reach all of these very small mountain villages in which we stayed and I remember like one morning we, I was like sitting outside we were waiting for uh, our breakfast to be made and I was like sitting outside in on a chair in the sun and there were like these old ladies of the village like walking by and they were like chatting and they were knitting while they were walking and when they would meet each other they would like talk and greet each other in their own language which I don't understand and Also there's this very special way of carrying stuff like in kind of everything goes in a kind of a blanket and there's a strap attached to it and that strap is put on the forehead and then it hangs kind of on your back like a lot of people were carrying stuff like this and also the outfits had changed there were these flat hats which people wear men and women like the whole way the women wear their suits usually with a kind of a, a warm cardigan over it was different and everything so colorful like on this background of the mountains and it's very yeah it, it was so beautiful and one thing i thought about a lot was how the mountains have a very different feel here i mean in switzerland i've seen a lot of mountains i've done a lot of hikes but still when you go up all of the landscape didn't look that different somehow the whole feel to it the music the clothes like the whole feel of being in the mountains is is so different to switzerland like very very different and that i found really interesting but what is really similar is kind of the way lives are lived so <laughs> while we were like up there in the mountains like in the day it's warm and hot and actually quite hot and you get sunburned very easily but then once it gets dark it's really cold and there's like nothing to do after 10 o'clock there's nothing to do in a village like this so we went to bed very early and we got up very early and we kind of yeah we kind of started to take over this rhythm as well which seems to yeah which seems to be characteristic for life in the mountains because of that many times like under like after we had our food and we had explored the little villages and it was cold and we were going back to whatever like small motel or uh, homestay we were sta- staying at we would uh, sometimes sit like outside on the porch like watch the stars which are very visible because there's not so much light pollution and we are high up and uh, like drink some wine and listen to old hindi songs and uh, yeah i always really enjoyed that कंगना
And of course, whenever we would get to a place, we would walk around, walk around in these valleys, close to the rivers, go on top of small little mountains, cross bridges, and always also talk to the people. And these were kind of like our, like the end of the day when we would get there and the morning of the following day before we would hit the road again. And while we were driving, of course, we always did small stops like for chai or for eating something. And the higher up we got, the more Tibetan looking, at least in my orientalist ideas of how Tibet looks, although I've never been there, everything got. And I remember we stopped in one small town and like we went around in the market and the market was so... I know all these shawls and things and it was so colorful and so interesting people speaking languages we don't understand and we definitely enjoyed it and then we had a chai and there were these two girls next to us again looking very Tibetan but I'm sure they're not Tibetan they're like Indian from this region and both of them were sitting next to us and playing shooting video games like really loud on their phones one of them was married but it was really because we saw it because she had like the vermilion on her parting of her hair but it was very hard to guess how old they were it was very funny how like you know how casually they were sitting there playing these shooting games and yeah we had our chai and then we left again for driving and one thing <laughs> which i really found funny is like there were a lot of ports like always telling you not to drive too fast and this and that, welcoming you into different regions, saying goodbye when you leave a region or a district or whatever. And on all of these ports, I saw like BRO, BRO, like the, the short form BRO, which means Border Road Organization, because uh, we're close to the Chinese border. So there's a certain organization which manages all the roads there and the traffic and everything. But when I read it, it always seemed like bro, like brother. <laughs> and that made for a lot of these boards to be very funny. Like stuff like, uh, <laughs> bro, don't drink and drive. Bro, <laughs> fastest life, shortest drive. Like, uh, bro, driving and drinking is a fatal cocktail. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Goodbye, bro. <laughs> and uh, like I had my own fun while I was like uh, looking at this. And then we wanted to get even higher up into the Himalayas when we were stopped at some checkpoint and told that as a tourist, like as a foreigner, basically, I need a permission to get into this region because it's close to the Chinese borders, possibility of terrorist uh, activities and so on. So we had to go drive back for like half an hour and find... Um, an office like where we could get this permission and it took forever and it was <laughs> very typical Indian government institutions they're like these big rooms full of always the same old iron cupboards filled with so many files like everything seems so like everything would be digitalized I guess in Switzerland and here it's like folders and folders and files and files and it's always so full and the people were laughing and chatting and uh yeah, while we were sitting there and it took forever to get it. And once we finally had it, they could not find the right stamp to put onto the file. And they had to look for it for like 15 minutes under all of these folders. And we were both like trying not to laugh while uh, the officers there were really nice to us. They were like chatting with us, but they just couldn't remember my country at all. They were always like, ah, oh, Switzerland, huh? 
ah, New Zealand, right? <laughs> and and uh, yeah. But then uh, we eventually got it done in time and we hit the road again. And that's when we actually went into Spiti Valley, like uh, a high altitude desert. There's just mountains and mountains and it's a kind of a landscape I've never seen. They're like snowy mountains far away, like these very, I don't know, these huge rocks, this beautiful valleys in, in like with colors and in a way I've never seen it before so I, I was like completely in love with the landscape and like couldn't believe it and sometimes when we were driving like we would stop and like for a bit and then if your headlights and everything are not on you see the stars and for the first time I saw the Milky Way and it was like it was just amazing And another thing which I really like in these mountain villages is that there are a lot of homestays where you can stay with families, like families have an extra room and then you can eat with them. And so our homestays have been a lot of fun, like talking to the people, because thank God all of them speak Hindi, so we can at least talk to them. And although they also speak their own language, of course, and yeah, the higher we got, again, to me, it seemed so much more Tibetan. There were like these Tibetan prayer things everywhere, which you have to like turn and then they keep like turning and some mantra yeah, is, is thought that this will then go out into the air and is being recited, basically. These things were everywhere, Tibetan flags were everywhere and the flags make a certain sound when like the wind is like shaking them and that was like that's such a typical sound which was like accompanying us like everywhere in the villages and our hosts were Buddhists like so they had all pictures of the Dalai Lama, they were in Dharamshala before and yeah I remember we were like having chai and we were chatting with the grandfather of this family who still was uh, telling us how how he went to Delhi like so many years ago when there was nothing in Delhi, close to no traffic. Most of Delhi had not been really built yet and how he's like working on the field here and creates his own, like grows its own, his own peas and, and potatoes. And uh, yeah, it was very interesting. And But of course also we saw how tourism is changing the region. If that's a good thing or a bad thing is the other question, but at least people are making some money with like hosting tourists, but more and more tourists are coming. Especially my friends who have had been here like three, four years ago, they said it's completely changed. And uh, yeah, so we spend our time chatting, wandering through the village and in the morning when we wanted to shower, like uh, the father of the family heated our water on a on a fire outside of the house. And it was also really special because when we got there, there were so many tourists and we barely could find a place to sleep. And then some guy helped us and this family had just, like, had not completely completed building their guest room yet, but they were like, uh, so in that sense, we were their first customers, which was also very special for us. And yeah, it was, it was a very sweet experience. And then we went higher and higher up and the villages looked more and more Tibetan. We ate a lot of mumus and tukpa and just the villages planted in these beautiful high altitude desert surroundings and all of these flags and this colorful, like the blue sky with this very white clouds. Like, yeah, it was amazing. And while I was there, I always thought like, and it happens to me a lot when I'm in very remote places, I think like, 
somehow it, it occurs to me that I have traveled further than many of my loved ones at home, that I've seen things they might never get a chance to see. And I'm so grateful for it. And I think of my loved ones and my family, like every time I venture into into the unknown, the remote, the far off. And I thought about this as well on the day we went to visit a monastery, which was very special to me. So I've never seen a Buddhist monastery before. We went there like in the evening, just when at sundown. And then we walked all the way up and there were so many people, a lot of locals, close to no tourists at all. And we got there and we got inside and we looked beautiful. There were like monks in, yeah, in their attire everywhere. And there were also, the first thing I noticed were all of these kids, these very young monks. And they were like eating some, I don't know, some candy, some, some candy, some chips some trash food and like running around and being loud and everything and for some reason I always thought these kids must be very disciplined and serious and all of it but they were just kids and they were just allowed to be kids as well even though they were wearing the monk attire and everything and I had kind of never seen that which I found very interesting then there was like a main kind of temple where uh, people where like all the rituals are being performed and you can see like all the cushions on the side where the monks would sit and all the little bells and the picture of the Dalai Lama and a lot of things in there. So we went in there and we were like walking around and again I realized there's something very different between me and my Indian friends. I'm not sure if it's a cultural thing, maybe it also comes from the way we have been educated or I don't know, our families have educated us, but whenever I come to some religious place I feel like taking a step back or I'm so scared I'm gonna violate some religious rule or offend someone so I'm always more like step taking a step back and observing things from a corner while a lot of my friends are the opposite so they would walk right in front of the idols and they would then I don't know do the same gestures and the same things that they would do normally do like uh, with their own gods so like they're very they feel at ease a lot, like while I do not feel at ease at all. And uh, there were beautiful paintings inside, like very old paintings inside this room. And then we were sitting down for a bit and already there I was like sitting a bit off, like some other friends were also sitting and like closing my eyes. And whenever I'm in these holy places, I pray for my family, like that everything is going to get fine and for their health and everything. And while I was sitting there I already realized somehow I'm getting really emotional I don't know why it's like and I feel like these I don't know this place is very quiet and has a very strong energy so at some point I was like oh god I have to get out so I left the prayer room and went outside and waited for my friends to come but then there was another place in there kind of a meditation cave I would call it so they had a new meditation hall and an old one and the old one was like it looked like old medieval castles in Switzerland, so this thick stone walls. And there were like, so we went all of these twisted stairs upstairs, and then there were like, like separate cubicles with one cushion in it each, where probably in each of this a monk could fit and meditate. And there were like these small little windows, or like small little holes in the these thick stone walls where some light would come, and fall in like directly on the place where this cushion sits. 
And else it's completely dark, apart from these very small windows. It's uh, very silent. It's so silent that you can hear the blood in your ears, like, rushing. And I was sitting there, like, I was a bit, because it was a bit scary and dark, so I was sitting next to a friend instead of taking my own cubicle. And I was sitting there, like, closing my eyes, and somehow this whole... And it... I don't know, it felt like I could feel that for hundreds and hundreds of years people have sat here, have meditated here, like you could feel all of this, I don't know, all of this assembled energy of all of these people and for some reason I, I suddenly had to cry for no reason <laughs> at all and my friend was like, what's wrong, what's wrong? I was like, I, I don't know, I'm just emotional and somehow this feeling of a presence of something which is like bigger than me or I don't know what this is. And it was very, very interesting what my friend then said. He said, you know what? I'm so jealous of you. I'm like, jealous of me? And um, he said, yes, because like, you, you like, you're a believer or something. I'm like, I'm not a believer. Like, I've never really bothered to read much about like Buddhism. And I have also not, I don't really know much. And I did not have any expectations. It's the first time I'm visiting a Buddhist, like a monastery. And... Then we had a long conversation about like belief being, I told him, but if I was a believer, this would be kind of a rational choice. I would choose that, okay, now I'm a believer and I'm going to practice these things and uh, I believe in it and whatever and worship it. But this is just like something which just overcame me like in that moment, like not at all, I don't know, not something I chose to it's just I get that sometimes that if places have very strong good or bad energies I feel like I feel it and in a very not rational way it just overcomes me and maybe this is all bullshit and only in my head that's also might be true <laughs> but it was a very interesting conversation and I got really touched by this place for some reason and then we went outside and Again, and like slowly the monks were going for dinner and there was some ritual also happening in the temple like itself and they closed it off and already before I had noticed one European looking guy like sitting there giving people directions oh there's the temple, there's the hall, do this, do that and I thought who and I found him interesting and I was like who is that guy he looks like an anthropologist or something living here, he seems to be living here and we then made our way down and <laughs> one of my friends said, ah, I really wanted to talk to that guy. And at that moment, that guy comes out of the, also starts walking down. And then he went up to him and said like, oh, uh, we, we saw you before. Can we talk to you? And, uh, and then and I asked him like, you seem like you live here. Are you an anthropologist? And then the guy said, no, no, I'm, I'm from America. And I've been in India for many times, like for a long time on spiritual reasons and all. And, I know the guy who runs the monastery and he allowed me to stay. That's why like I got a special permission. That's why I'm like staying here for a while and I'm eating with the monks. He showed us his bowl and yeah, I'm trying to learn about Buddhism and about that way of life. And then a very tiny woman came and was then standing next to us and she had a very cute voice and she just seemed so cute. And then she, I suddenly realized when I was walking up to the monastery, I saw her coming down and our like eyes met once. And she said like, I saw you. I was like, yeah, I saw you too. And then we realized that they, are a, they were a couple. And like she said, like, yeah, she came also here, but she's staying in the guest house, not with the monks, like to respect the tradition and culture. And 
yeah, they are just here for a while because there were also some religious talks going on, which they wanted to hear. And we talked to them for quite a while and it was so interesting to hear their stories, to hear, yeah, their experiences. And, and I couldn't really figure out about the woman where she was from. And when we asked her, she said she's Japanese. And on our way down, she told me how she came here like, Ten years ago, she married an Indian guy. She speaks Hindi as well. And she she was running like a, a Japanese restaurant in India for a very long time. And it was so interesting. Like I felt like, wow, these people in between just kind of come and find me. Because again, very interesting how Indianized she got. Especially thinking because when I studied in Delhi, I had a Japanese roommate. And I saw very clearly how hard it is how it's even harder for Japanese people to adopt in India because the cultural differences are even bigger than what I'm used to. Also, the food is so different, the water is so different, the hygiene is so different. So I really saw how difficult this kind of was uh, for her. And so that seeing that woman, which was so well adapted to India, was very interesting. And she took us in her tiny room of her, of her guest house, let us use the washroom and like... I don't know, I immediately felt this connection and we talked about if she misses Japan and she said, no, not anymore. And and yeah, it was just amazing. And uh, yeah, they then recommended us to go to a small village close there. So, <laughs> so we were uh, driving there and went into another homestay. And even that was like amazing. There was like this homestay and there was this completely run by women one woman and her two sisters or cousins or whatever there was a little kid roaming around everywhere and when we were like sitting in the evening she made food for us and she was like sitting with us and chatting and telling us about her marriage and how the like how she how her in-laws live in a different village and how that everything is so much more strict and you have to wear different clothes and like I don't know, like how it was very a culture shock for her to go there like and, and live with such different, yeah, under such different customs and expectations and everything. And it was very interesting how she shared so much of her life with us while we were sitting there. And yeah, I again was so amazed by how openly people share their stories and everything. Yeah, and the next day from that point on, we were making our way back to Delhi. And we had two very tiring days ahead. So we were driving up all of these passes. And uh, especially on one day, we were driving. The first day we were driving for like nine hours. And four of them were like up a pass. And then there was a road, which I wouldn't even call it a road. I think it's like a crossing of a river and uh, a field of stones. And it was like, oh my God, for four hours. <laughs> It just shakes you through for four hours. Like my ass was, wow, <laughs> so much friction. It hurt so much. And I've done quite some bike trips, but uh, this was definitely the worst road I've ever seen. And it's really out in nowhere. There's no food. No one will find you. Nothing. It's beautiful, but it was so crazy. And in German, we say like if you do a lot of hard work for something, we say like you rip your ass open for something. And I think these words have never felt so literally <laughs> to me and, uh, but somehow we made it and 
then we made it to <coughs> Manali and Kulu and all of these places, which look a lot like Switzerland, like especially they have built a new tunnel. And when we came out of the tunnel, there was all these mist, all these like uh, Christmas kind of trees and all this. It was like, yeah, it, it even smelled like home a little bit. And the next day was equally long, like we drove for 13 hours, I think, back to Delhi. Very tiring, very long, like it really needed all of my endurance. And one thing which was special is uh, when we were close to home, we were like thinking of like, where should we have food? It was already night, there were so many trucks, so many traffic jam and everything. And then there was like a tent again of the farmers protest, like with some langer. So like some the Sikh tradition of making food and everyone can have food and come. And so we ate there at the highway in one of these langer tents. And I was the only woman I was definitely stared at. But again, these very humble farmers, like, I don't know, giving us food. You just donate a bit of money, that's all. Which we gladly did. And like, you get your food, you wash your utensils yourself. And there were other poor people, people who run trucks, other farmers. There was also a very middle class um, Sikh guy with a turban. So all kinds of people come there and eat there. And that was again a beautiful experience. To end this podcast, before we go back to Delhi, I uh, want to read one more thing which I was writing like while I was on the back of that bike. And it goes like this. When on the road, I love observing gradual change. The landscape turning from concrete jungle into fields, into soft hills and green valleys to become a moon-like landscape of rocks in different colors and then magically transform back again on our journey home. The language slowly changes and so do the faces and clothes. The mentality and behavior transforms and even the spices in the food gradually taste different. We watch cows becoming fluffier until they turn into yucks. The air gets colder, thinner and the chai sweeter. As locals or fast travelers, we see samples, snapshots, experiencing the depth of places. As slow travelers, it's the big picture, the gradual change that we notice most clearly. Many little samples sew together into a fabric of regional patchwork, visible only to the slow traveler's 